I'm Maddie. I am Ryan. And this is The Mutant Ages, a show where we watch every adaptation of the X-Men and we review it week by week. Including Tarzan. Including this episode, which is about Disney's 1999-1999 film Tarzan. I can't talk. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. One family. Trust your heart. <laughs> let truth decide. Oh my God! To guide these worlds we seek. I love there, that what's, song. What's anyway. that other? There's another song in there that I love. Stop you that crying. One. It'll be Oh my God! Yes, right. that's the one that like I want somebody to Just propose to me with. Okay. And hold it tight. Oh. My heart. I loved <laughs> those songs. You know what? I don't know why music past tense. I still love those songs. Okay. I mean, the, those songs weren't even written for Tarzan. They were just Wait, Phil really? Collins songs. No, they weren't. I Two think... Worlds, One Family? That was not for Tarzan. But, but okay, but that's the one that must be for Tarzan because it's about the two worlds, the human world and the gorilla world and like how they're both one family. Like oh, wait, that song right. can't possibly have been written independently oh, yeah, you're of right. Tarzan. He did write it for the film. Okay. Anyway, the that's point right. is... So coming back to this episode this episode is like tarzan tarzan okay but tarzan was also huge in the 90s because like it was remember how big it was it was big enough to merit like a big to do about it in kingdom hearts so yeah i mean i feel like there's tarzan there was a bunch of other stuff that was like kind of similar like there's like george of the jungle and like jungle to jungle which you and i watched for some reason okay george of the jungle came out around the same time as the tarzan i remember being really confused by all this because there was like Tarzan the animated movie then there was like Tarzan the live action movie then there was like tar there was the one you just said George of the Jungle and I thought yeah. it was all the same fucking movie it <laughs> kind of was all the same movie though and the messages of those movies were like kind of this post Jane Goodall like post environmentalism yeah. of right. the you know 60s 70s 80s and like by the 90s people were like I don't know. I mean, it's not like environmentalism was ever ending or anything, but this this episode of X-Men Evolution is very like the animal world is something you should respect. The natural world is something you should respect. And mutation is depicted as being like part of the natural world as well. And yeah, it's the episode's called Retreat. Okay, so it was released in 2002, at the very beginning of 2002. So this episode lines up and tracks with all the things that we're just discussing because this is like right after. Yeah, it's after Tarzan, um, which was 1999. And like, right. and I thought it was kind of cool to see an episode that was political about an issue that I feel like we haven't really seen the X-Men be political about, which is like the idea of the natural world and mutation being a part of the natural world and like that being highlighted in a, in a way. Like, it's not to say it doesn't go with the queer metaphor. I think it actually totally does. This and whole like episode other civil does. rights metaphors, right. like that's all in there. But it's like, it's also about just respecting the way that the world is and not right. 
fucking with it too much. So in this, Beast is posed as Bigfoot. And so Mm -hmm. they're not responding to mutants in this. They're responding to Bigfoot and sort of this fascination that people have with things that are out in the wild and are they're just so fascinated. Like the, I mean, I've watched a bunch of those Bigfoot videos online. I think we've had this conversation before, or at least Katie and I have, where it's like, what, I mean, it is fascinating to like look at, but the fact that we as people are like, we don't know what this thing is or this species is. So we're going to obsessively like destroy its territory trying to find it. Mm-hmm. And like, what other weird shit is going to be out there in which this case, it just turns out to be mutants, but like sort of like this, we're going to like find it, capture it, experiment on it, torture it, kill it, skin it, try to own it as opposed to just letting it be right. Like this is a very human thing, right? Like just leave it alone. I don't know. This whole episode also, for some reason reminds me so much of Disney's gargoyles. Like I, yes. there were, the whole opening of this, I thought it was just gargoyles, you know? Oh yeah. The, the whole opening feels very post gargoyles. Definitely. So the other thing about this episode is that there's a couple scenes where there's no dialogue at all. And I don't just mean like almost no dialogue. I mean like silent scenes. The very oh, beginning of the episode is like, it's like two, three minutes. There's no dialogue at all, which I thought was really cool. Like there were a lot of things about this app that I was like, There's a lot that goes on in this episode with animation and with characters' expressions that I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. I really like this episode, which is funny because when I saw this episode when it first aired, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Why do I care about this? (laughs) But as an adult, I love this. And I have come back to it over the years more than once because I always remember that one scene where they are swimming on that gorgeous waterfall. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, it seems so nice there. Yeah, I really wanted to like go see the Redwoods after watching yeah, this, which I, know, I me wanted too. to before anyway. Well, we can, we can make a trip about that and we can go and do it on my vlog. We'll do an mm-hmm. adventure and we'll make references to Beast the entire time. And Dina will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she does though. I mean, And then Katie fine. will be like, we're close <laughs> enough to Warcraft Valley now that we can go there too. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. So anyway, let's do a quick previous on the X-Men. Okay. Yeah. So previously on the X-Men, what we need to know about this episode in relation to season two is that we've been introduced to Hank McCoy, who was previously one of the human-looking teachers at Bayville High. Now, he clearly was a mutant and denying it and giving himself some sort of super soldier serum to try and, like, (laughs) suppress that he was gay. Yeah. And, like, it's the kids that are like, no, it's okay to be gay. And he develops this friendship and relationship with Evan Mm -hmm. because... Evan, well, he's trying to like, you know, tutor Evan and get his grades up and yeah, during Evan all that keeps skipping school and like, right. And eventually, you know. like, we find out that Xavier and Beast had talked to each other before and Xavier kind of doesn't help Beast at all. And he's like, well, I guess you should just keep taking your serum if you're not going to come out of the closet. And Beast is like, that sounds good to me. I'm going to do that. But then eventually transforms him into the Beast that we know now. He goes mm-hmm. crazy and like rampages around New York City or Bayville or whatever And then he goes to the X-Mansion and he's like, I can never look human again. I can't ever leave the mansion. I'm going to be stuck here for the rest of my life. I have to stay indoors. I can't leave. I'm gay. Everybody's going to know that I'm gay. There's probably like a good trans metaphor here, too. It's Um, really sad if you look at it as any type of queer metaphor, though, because the implication of the story is basically like by denying who he was, he became a monster. But it's also like... I don't know that the story goes further than that because it doesn't just end there and be like, like that's beast interpretation of his own story at first is like, I denied right. who I was. And then 
you know, destroyed myself. But Xavier and the rest of the ex-kids are basically like, you didn't though. Like, yeah, you're a blue guy now and that's just who you are. And that you couldn't deny who you are. And like, it was always going to come out of you in some form. And at this point you need to just find a way to love yourself because you are. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that like he, he, turns into a monster like i don't think that's exactly what the metaphor is i think that his self-hatred is so strong about him being a mutant and or queer that he thinks that is the monster do you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying and so therefore yeah. this quote-unquote beast comes out but the beast is just like when you suppress a piece of you that should be there and it has always been there you know it's like a piece of you that like eventually breaks free because you're suppressing it like mm-hmm. i'm not going to reference any names of people we know because i don't think that's <laughs> fair but i know that like there are people that we have grown up with that like had all sorts of psychological issues because they wouldn't admit that they were gay until like 20 30 years later and it's not even like people that grew up with i've seen adults go through this too like people mm-hmm. that i know now i mean there's a reason we've talked about it on the show a lot but like after gay marriage was legalized and this idea of being queer being so normal now and there's so many like adults that are coming out of the closet and figuring this out and like how much trauma that they and even we have experienced in our lives that have sort of done all this damage inside and that is quote unquote the beast that hank is referring to in this episode and so beast on this show is trying to find comfort in himself and similar to what's happening right now in real life in the real world which is interesting because this show is like 20 years old at this point is that Beast is now relying on these younger generation to help him explore being okay with this, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what this episode is about. Although it starts off with Beast on his own and he is just running through the streets of like downtown Bayville. Like at first I thought this was New York City, but honestly, I don't know if that's <laughs> well, we, true. We have this problem every single time we watch this TV I show know. where we're like, where what city is. are we in? Is it New York City? Is it Bayville High? How metropolitan is it? But it doesn't... Anyway, Beast is running around some completely empty streets. So it, I, it's Okay, I like, thought that was crazy, by the way. It's like a city that looks like New York City from Gargoyles and there's nothing but like one cat in this entire city. And I'm like, that is not how a city works at like, all. Like the city is abandoned. Like to the point where I wondered <laughs> if this was a flashback to to the night when Beast was rampaging the first time around and if it was like oh the streets are empty because people know Beast is out there or something and the cops are looking for him but like no it's no, modern it's day it's just like, it's like this weird day. city yeah it's like this weird fake city it reminds me of Hartford in the sense that like no one is there except it's like a city um, anyway <laughs> <laughs> Beast is running through the streets of Hartford Connecticut and he runs through an alley there's a cat that yells at him and runs away there's like this sad synthesizer playing um, and then there are some cop cars patrolling and they never actually catch him, but they're like driving around. Well, they can't quite see what it is either. They don't know yeah, what he is. Yeah, and they're is. driving around without the sirens on. So it's not like they saw him and they're like chasing him and it's like a scary. Well, it is kind of scary, actually. It's very spooky and slow and like they're just trawling around the streets at night looking for him almost catching him there is this like dramatic moment at the very end where he sees the car coming towards him down an alley but then there's the smash cut to the intro and i presumably he's not caught okay well there's a couple things there first of all he's the i don't know what even happens here because they corner him in the alley and they're like where'd he go and then all we hear is beast stomping on the roof of the car and running away and i'm like how where did he how did he do that (laughs) <laughs> Secondly, there is a moment that we want to mention where he goes back to Bayville High 
And mm. this sad music plays yeah. as he looks sadly into what his old life used to be when he was quote unquote normal and like yeah, not out. Yeah, I know. You're right. Like he's looking into the science lab. And he's it's like, like, oh, this is from the life when I could pass as straight, basically. Oh, and it's God, like, yeah. it's and, really awful. And, and he's he, like angry. He has these moments where he'll like scream at the sky and he like destroys a tree at one point. Like he's he's really the having tree, a like, time. The tree like breaks open the windows to, I thought he was going to go inside the lab because he breaks open the windows with the tree, but then he just fucking leaves. I know. So, it's sad. It's, it's like sad. this is this is our open. This is like yeah. our cold open. <laughs> like where we're Hank starting. is losing his shit and he hates himself. And it's like, wow, this is like the and saddest again, way. No dialogue. Like it's all just showing you like a sad middle aged man who's like, I wasted my life. Like that's yeah. So I sad. mean, like. I, it's just so awful. And then we go to the opening it's like credits. not for children. Like, not in like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's like not something I feel like a child could relate to. Like, it's right. something that I feel like I can relate to. This but... came out, we said 2002, right? So I was like yeah. 17 at the time. So, I mean, I was old enough to be able to see the weight of this. But at the time, my biggest issue was like, also suppressing that I was gay. So I was like, I didn't want to watch this. I like yeah. barely came out as bisexual at that point, you know, because mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. still kind of scary to do that then. So yeah. like, I'm not surprised that when I watched this, then I was like, I don't really care about this episode, whatever the fuck this is. Like, <laughs> yeah. but again, like what you said, like a child younger than me, you'd be like, what is this? They're just running through the woods. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I feel like the metaphor is kind of lost. Like you're just kind of like, oh, well, Beast is like a cool monster guy. Like, what's his problem? Why is he so upset? All the time? <laughs> I want to be Beast. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we, we get to have the intro. And then when we come back, um, yeah, Beast jumps over the car and like destroys their windshield and runs away. And then we go to the mansion. Yeah. And Beast is talking to Xavier and he like has his head in his hands and he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I left again and did all this shit. And Be- yeah. and Xavier's basically like, well, it was bound to happen because like yeah. you keep doing this because you like hate yourself and you keep <laughs> Wait, sneaking Wait, but also he makes a comment about how apparently Beast like crawled underneath the truck to go to the drive-in movies i was like oh my god (laughs) and it's like kind of interesting because i feel like the scene is framed as though hank at first is like oh i just lost control and like became a beast and xavier was like yeah dude except you're like actually intentionally leaving and going to the movies sometimes so yeah right like really it's just that you want to be normal still or at least experience some aspects of normal life this is one of those few times i was like xavier's not evil in this scene because he's kind of like this is like yeah you you need to accept yourself dude because this is not working out otherwise i know i know and xavier's also like it's okay for you to want to be a part of the rest of the world like that's normal and healthy and you should want that and it's less healthy for you to be stuck inside here constantly right with all these children and then beast eventually screams but i don't belong out there anymore i'm gay and this is the 2000s where that's not allowed yet and it's like yeah and Xavier's like, okay, like I can make you a hollow watch like Kurt has and you can just like look like your old self again or we can make you look different, whatever. And Hank is like, that's hiding and you can see how the rage got the better of me before when I was hiding. I can't be trusted out there, which is like 
really sad. Like this is it how is. Hank sees himself. But don't worry, because this is like the episode where he's finally going to start to heal from this. I mean, like, what's the metaphor here is that he's like, well, because I'm like a hidden closeted gay man still sort of, I can't I, be trusted you know, out there. So I'm just going to go secretly hook up with dudes and put myself in danger or whatever. I like, mean, I don't know. Possibly, like, but I, to me, it reminded me of what we talked about last time on the Hank episode where he was like losing control, quote unquote, and like getting really angry. And like the idea of how repressing this part of himself it exhibits as anger which right. i think does happen sometimes where like oh, yeah it's it gonna come out some type of way and like in his case i don't know like the sad queer metaphor of it is like the idea that if you're like a closeted gay man you like shouldn't be around other people because you're like a predator you're dangerous whatever and like they're hiding everywhere i mean this was like the language of the 2000s was like the yeah. idea of that and like right. hank basically is this person who's internalized this he believes that like being a mutant is inherently disgusting and dangerous and like he has to hide this part of himself and also like he's dangerous and he can't see the idea of like he's actually fine <laughs> like he, yeah like as the rest of this episode shows like he's not he's not the incredible hulk like he's not like losing control and then like hurting people by accident he's not a werewolf he's not that he's just a guy who's blue and well like, that is that is sort of his hero's journey in this episode is him yeah. admitting that like it's like a whole battle it's a whole struggle that we'll discuss later in this episode because he has a good conversation with kitty in the woods mm -hmm. where he basically is like oh, I like, I'm just allowing myself to be happy and I shouldn't be happy, which is like fucking dark, dude. I know. This is like a very adult episode. And I don't mean like, oh, it's about like sex, drugs, rock and roll or whatever. I mean, like, it's like a middle-aged story. <laughs> you know oh, I, mean? I know, like, it, I know. It really is. And it's really aimed at people that were older than us even watching this yeah. at the time it's like for the the gay parent watching this who's still closeted and like living a lie like that's yeah, what this I mean, episode which is, is crazy for. and that's what this show is really good at doing this so many i mean i was thinking about this yesterday because next week we're watching we had just watched this episode and finished watching that and i was thinking how we're watching walk on the wild side next which is the one where people are like <laughs> is it good or bad i'm like well, it's actually i remember being very gay and then i was like this whole show is actually very gay in a way that no other show really ever was ever mm -hmm. i mean like i think now we have it because we have like steven universe but mm -hmm. i think this was like our version of that at the time and sort of why we clung on to this and why so many of our listeners now keep on chatting in the discord about how this show really helped them see the queerness in themselves you mm -hmm. know like and that they were glad to have that so I think the yeah. show just is very good at that and it does not get enough credit for that. And it should. Yeah, I hope <laughs> it's like coming back around. I mean, I know it's like our little audience, but I, I'm sure people are enjoying revisiting it with with us and being like, wow, like this show's doing some interesting I stuff. I think what's going to happen is that once when the X-Men actually are in the MCU, people are going to go back and watch X-Men, the animated series and evolution and Wolverine, the X-Men. I mean, I think that is happening right. with Disney Plus and stuff already, which is cool, but like. I don't know. These these shows have a lot to offer. Anyway. anyway, so we go outside and Kitty's having a conversation with Bobby. Bobby's just a main <laughs> character now. Have you noticed I this? I love it, though, because I love Bobby. He never Bobby. gets a title credit, but like he's in every episode and it's like, OK. So Kitty's yawning and she's talking to Bobby about how she was up all night working on this earth science report. Like apparently everybody at school is learning about the Redwood Forest. I don't know why, but whatever. Fine. And so Kitty's like, what do you know about Redwoods? And Bobby's like, only that they make great hot tubs. And then like flounces on the hall. And I'm like, Bobby's gay. Okay. <laughs> I had the same reaction. I was like, why did he make a hot tub joke here other than he's really gay? 
whatever. There's also no real reason for this scene to exist, by the way, because then it just cuts back to Xavier and Hank. Like, it's literally like, okay, the only purpose of the scene is that Kitty and the rest of the kids at school are learning about the redwood trees, which, like, okay, that is actually somewhat relevant because it's going to come back. But also, it sets it up that Kitty was just passing by and not just, like, spying on Xavier's Yes, you're right. And by the way, the door is open, so anything Beast says, anyone can hear. So That's true, although I think it probably was, like, Beast came back in the middle of the night, or at least is how I took it, and, like, he and Xavier have been talking since, like, 3 a.m. or something, and they're just still awake, and oh, then now it's, wow, like, 6 a.m., right. and the kids are waking up. Oh, yeah, you keep forgetting that it's... I'm sitting here being like, it's, like, <laughs> gotta be 9 a.m., and you're like, no. oh, wait, this is Xavier's school. They get up at 4.30. Yeah, I know. You're right. They're up at 4. They're, like, walking <laughs> over to the danger room, and it's just that Hank and Xavier happen to leave the door open because they've already been talking. Like, that was how I took it, which I actually yeah. thought was, like, really naturalistic in a, in a type of way. But, so yeah. Xavier and Hank still having this sad conversation where Hank is, like, I fucking hate myself, dude. There's no way out of this. Stop trying to help me. And Xavier is like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Kitty walks by and overhears well, this. this. This is important because Xavier said, oh, sorry, ex- not Xavier. Hank says, I never asked to be a mutant. Why me? And Xavier is like, in order to find the answer to that, each of us is faced with a unique journey. And Hank says, journey, where do you go when you can't be seen by the public? And Kitty mm-hmm. has walked in at this point. And like, this is what I mean about the animation being like amazing, but she makes this expression that is like, wow, it's like a chef's kiss. So good. Like you can see that she is physically pained by hearing mm-hmm. what Hank is saying and that she is so compassionate to what he's going through, but also like, holy fuck, what can we do to help him? Like, this is like, like Kitty is hurt by hearing Hank being hurt like this. It's like, it's just so good. Like this, there's no dialogue when she does it. She just does it. And I'm like, this is so good. Why? What? So. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, there's this rare scene, which is like the only good use of Xavier's telepathy ever. I think where like Kitty walks up (laughs) and she just interrupts the conversation. She's like, Oh, Hey professor, did you ask him yet? And then professor Xavier is like, uh, what the fuck are you talking about? But he like asked Kitty in her head. He's like, um, what is what? And Kitty <laughs> telepathically back to him is like, maybe he could take some of us to the Redwood Forest just to get away for a while. And then Xavier like speaks aloud and he's like, oh, yeah, I was meaning to ask you, Hank, like, do you want to lead a field trip to the California Redwoods uh, with the kids? And Hank is like, I can't do that. I can't ever leave this place. By the way, he said it's not like this conversation ends right there. Like he, they try to convince him for a yeah. really long time. And Hank keeps on screaming, someone else should do it. I'm not stable enough to go outside. No, I can't do it. And then it's like Xavier being like, but just imagine being outside no one yep. can find you guys in the, in the open air. This is like air. how we convince Ryan Pagella to eat lunch when he's cranky. Like, that's what this conversation is. It's like, imagine eating something that tastes good and that, you know, it's going to, like, make you feel better later. And you can sit down and socialize. All right. Yeah. So Hank, so Hank is, like, slowly listening to what Xavier's saying. He, like, starts smiling and he's like, oh, right. I actually really like being outside in nature. I really like teaching children and hanging out. And so he like starts smiling and he's like, yeah, okay. Um, and then we see breakfast the next day and, or I probably the same day, honestly. And like, it's six hours later and they're finally eating breakfast. Hank is doing like a freaking Ted talk for all the kids about how great this redwood trip is going to be. He's like done a total adorable nerd 180 on it. And he's like, 
the redwood forest is amazing everybody's gonna love this <laughs> he's just and, like, reading off of wikipedia and oh i love amazing. it he's making tea by the way which is also fantastic or coffee it's some kind of drink yeah um so and hank clarifies that like this is for people who fall in behind in earth science so they can like get caught back up and bobby starts giggling and hank like glares at him like why are you laughing and bobby's like my grades are improving and hank is like <laughs> with the speed of a glacier which is like very catty but also um, like, like he's called these like six students in here and like Bobby's like well that can't possibly apply to me and it's like dude there's nobody else here except for the six people that are failing class yeah and so then he, uh, Beast is like you have to come as well Evan and Evan is like come on teach can't I just go to the park there's green stuff there and then Hank like jokingly looms over Evan and Evan like holds up his okay, skateboard but that and was, he's like that was, does like, the forest weird have sidewalks yeah it is weird it's very because weird because he like like there's this like it's Evan being pushed up against the wall and then Hank like slamming his arm over them and like sexually gazing into eyes like an older gay looking at a younger gay. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, it's like the anime. What is that stupid thing called where like the older anime character like puts their arm above? There's like a specific Japanese word that refers to this action. The word is kabedon, K-A-B-E-D-O-N. And if you Google that, you'll find a picture of it and then you'll start seeing it everywhere. Anyway, so we're going to leave the X-Mansion now and go to Fern Gully or like any of those, I don't know, the world of Avatar. <laughs> yeah, except not Avatar the Last Airbender, the other Avatar. Roberto is throwing a bunch of branches on top of the X-Jet to hide yeah. it. I don't know like what this characterization of Roberto is, by the way, where like suddenly Roberto's whole thing is like being a suck up and like uh, Wolfsbane makes fun of him the whole time for it. And I don't know if it's like him being a suck up, some of him being like, I'm pretty much perfect at everything I do. And Wolfsbane's like, uh, yeah, yeah, but you're okay, not Okay, that's a better way to think about it. Because so, that like, is Roberto. Like, yeah. Because yeah. he spends the whole time talking about how good he is at everything. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm just great at everything. And this is like, the only time we get to really see him do anything on the show or Wolfsbane. Mm-hmm. So this is like kind of their episode, but it's also really not because they're still extremely in the background. I mean, you're right. You're right. Sunspot sticks around the show, but Wolfsbane leaves in a few episodes and never comes back. So then we never mm. see her again on any cartoon. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that's about. Anyway, so Evan is Evan like comes over and he's like, I, I don't even know what he's complaining about. He's like, yeah, this is great. He just turns around and walks right into a tree. And yeah, like, like Evan is basically just complaining about being outside. Like he's like, the backpacks are heavy and like, I don't like trees <laughs> I and I want to be skateboarding. And, and like, like Roberto's like, I love being out here. The sun turns me on and we're going <laughs> to wear all the backpacks. I just love being out here. And Randy's like, okay, like take it down like 13 notches. Yeah, then it starts yeah. playing the music from like, Disney World's Animal Kingdom in the background. The kids set up their tents. There's no dialogue for like a long time here. No, Evan spikes down the tents. I made note of this, but there's a part here where everybody's taking notes on notepads Mm -hmm. and like Bobby is quote unquote taking notes, but it starts with him looking at Roberto whose backside is facing him. And then when Roberto turns around, he quickly starts taking notes. (laughs) Did you see that? I didn't. But Bobby is gay, so it tracks. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, okay, this shoe show knew he was gay. They knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Evan's just like playing in poison ivy. And then, yeah, and then like gets poison ivy. And there's like a series of shots where he's like covered in calamine lotion and I stuff. Know, I know. I love the part where he like taps on Hank's shoulder and he's holding the poison ivy and he's got the rash. And Hank's like, oh my God. And then like, Kitty's like <laughs> calmly putting the calamine lotion on Evan. 
It's yeah. like crazy. I'm like, has Evan literally never left New York City before? I don't think that's... he has. I think that's his like miniature storyline in this is that Evan literally has never left New York City. And this is like his first oh, right, time but in the like, I know that people in New York City that grew up there will occasionally leave on a weekend with a family trip to go out of New York City to go somewhere nice. Like that's the thing people do. Apparently it's not something Evan ever did. I don't, I don't know. know. It's really I mean, funny. It's definitely like a real like city kid stereotype to like not know what poison ivy is. I mean, it's not the most original joke of the world, but like it's fine. And you're right. With the time frame that this came out, we did like really simplistic jokes like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So, so then, then Beast is teaching. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful, gorgeous waterfall, water slide. And then they Kitty's walk out like on, taking pictures of it and then yeah. Bobby splashes her and then they like hop in the water. They all go well, swimming. She, I, I love how she he splashes her super gaily, by the way. It's not like he was hitting <laughs> on her. It's like he's like, <laughs> and like Kitty just like fucking like she hulks out and like th- like Throws wrestles him, in him into the water. It's like, oh, my God, it's pretty amazing. And so then they're sunbathing and like Beast is swinging around the trees like Tarzan and it's adorable. You'll like this is like in my heart. Yeah, that song is playing. Rain and Roberto are like sitting around. They're kind of flirting in this episode a little bit. Like, I don't know. It's fine. That's not really a thing. She has a crush on Cannonball at one point. Not on this show. Yeah, but You know what it is? It really is is that like this is a bunch of high schoolers and everyone's horny as hell but doesn't know how to like flirt but you know how it is in high school whenever anybody gives you any kind of attention at all you're like oh hey oh, hi you know <laughs> yeah and I mean it's also like they're kind of halfway supervised but like they're on a school trip I mean it's like you know classic teen stuff yeah it's so true so Beast sees the two of them hanging out together and then he like looks really sad and walks well, this out is by after, himself after he jumps into the water and splashes up I think I think what's happening here is that he has Tarzan his way and has swung in to do a cannonball into the water. And when he comes off out of the water, like all Baywatch style in slow motion, he like shakes like a dog. Mm-hmm. And so then everyone like l- gets wet. They're like, ah, oh, and then they kind of laugh. And then then he gets really sad. I think it's because he just shook like a dog and then immediately is like, oh my God, I'm an animal. I'm, uh, I shouldn't even be out here. I shouldn't be allowed in your people. These people will at least look normal. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be that it could just be the fact that he's looking around and he's like, all these kids can still pass for normal kids and like have normal lives. Or maybe it's just like, these kids are growing up in a different world than I did. I mean, there's so many ways you could interpret this moment. I think this is why these characters were chosen to go like short of magma who can turn her body into full on fire which we have i don't know if we've seen it on this show yet but i know that eventually she does do that she I, she gets her own episode next so that's probably why she's not here but all these characters are the only ones on this show who have like all this body dysmorphia stuff happening when they like use mm-hmm. their powers Although kurt isn't on this episode so like no but kurt's know. got his own shit where he's decided that he's not gonna come out and wear the the yeah, hollow watch true. you know yeah yeah so these are like characters whose bodies are different but also they're okay with it and like they're surrounding beast yeah. who's a person whose body is different and he's not okay with it i mean it. you could yeah. you could have put rogue in here but rogue's body issues are different from this too you know what i'm and saying she's not as settled with herself i mean i think you're making a good point that like a lot of the characters in this episode are pretty settled with themselves well that's at because at the end of the episode they all come to beast's rescue and take those forms you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. so anyway so kitty walks over to beast and she goes Mr. McCoy, are you okay? And Beast is like, yeah, I'm fine. Being out here, I'm embracing the animal I've become, but this is not who I am. And then Kitty's just kind of like, maybe this is who you're meant to be. Gay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Beast yeah. is like, no, I'm going to go for a walk like Wolverine and brood in the woods. Yeah. And Kitty's like, okay. And like looks really sad and while he's like walking off in the woods alone. Kitty's just like staring at him like, damn, it's just sad. I don't know. <laughs> damn. That guy's pretty gay. Anyway. <laughs> So then Beast is like splashing through a stream by himself and he like finds a fish that's kind of <laughs> Sorry, down there's, a, there's a fruit fly. <laughs> there's like a little <laughs> bug fly around my face. Okay. okay. I realize it's unprofessional, but it's also in my face. <laughs> yeah, my um, hot my hot new tune. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right, anyway. Um, so then Beast finds a fish that's been like beached in like part of the a pool near the stream. Right. And he like puts it back in the water and he's like, you can't go back either. And it's like, Beast, you're literally putting the fish back into the water as you're saying you can't go back. It's like, that's also you. Like, you can go back. You can like also become a part of something yeah, else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, that there's somebody filming Hank from the bushes and it's not it's sinister. Mr. Sinister. I know. <laughs> It's not actually, but Mr. I really Sinister. wish it was because finally we had somebody filming in the bushes like we've claimed on this show. But now Another somebody's X-Men actually doing classic. it. It's not Mr. Sinister. Although in the X Men Evolution comic books, Mr. Sinister is on like Craigslist having a conversation with Beast. So I guess that tracks. It does track. Um, it is a bunch of Bigfoot fans who are camped yes. out near the Redwoods in a different place, and they have collected a whole bunch of clues regarding Bigfoot. Except all their clues are like beast related, which I guess they've just collected them in the past day. Like, I don't even know. So a guy has collected like a bunch of blue fur and he's like looking at it under a magnifying glass and he's like, this hair matches no known species. And then there's like another guy with the cement pressing of beast footprint. And then there's like yet another guy with like a shitty photo of beast that like doesn't really show anything. And everybody's like arguing about what it shows. And like, they're like, it's a shoulder, it's a wing, it's a flipper. And like, they can't really see anything. I like how one of them says it's a flipper. And it's like, it's like the one guy is like, Hey, watch this. And he pulls out this video of Hank in the water saving the fish. And they're like, wow, Bigfoot seems pretty smart. Okay. But the thing is that like, like I've watched a bunch of Bigfoot stuff via Miss Katie Mack. And like, Mm -hmm. we've watched this stuff together. So the stuff they're referencing in this episode are actual things. So this whole thing about him him being like, oh, he seems kind of intelligent. Where did you get those? Like, well, not that Bigfoot's wearing clothes, but they're like, oh, maybe he stole it from a campsite. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like, like that. Beast is wearing his little Speedo that he always wears. Right. So they're and like, like, so they're like oh, wow. And that scientist is, there's one scientist that's like, yeah, oh, that's Dr. super Patronet. cool. Dr. Patronette. He's like the only named character. And he's yeah, we like, like him. He's, he's a yeah. good guy. Uh, but then there's like these two other guys that are like dressed like the fucking hunter from Jumanji. And they're like, they're like, well, we got to get it. We got to kill it. And we got to stuff it. And they're like, we're not doing that. Also, you can't do that. They're like. Oh, uh, well, we're just going to be over here not doing that. We're like, dude, you're dressed like the fucking hunters from Jumanji. We know what you're going to do. Why are you with yeah, us? Yeah, it's like kind of weird that there's these two guys who are like really interested in killing Bigfoot. I don't and think they came with this group. Guys... I think this group was out here already. And then these two hunters found them and we're like, oh, yeah, we're also searching for Bigfoot. But like to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? And so we're just going to sit here. And all. But the problem is that all these other Bigfooters are so socially awkward that they don't know how to get rid of these like hunters be like dude you can't hang out with us so they're just kind of mm-hmm. letting them be there it's kind of like when you go to a convention sometimes and you like <laughs> and there's like a, a couple people, people there who are like really really out there compared to your group but like your group's also weird so but like, they've also like do? joined your group somehow and it's gotten <laughs> conjoined in this weird way i don't know yeah. like that's kind of the vibe i'm gonna hear so anyway yeah. then it goes back to beast and beast is like all right you have to collect 
five mineral samples and it should take you about an hour. And everyone's like, oh, we have to work. And it's like, OK, but you were before kids. And he's like, yeah, it should take you one hour. So how about four hours? And they're like, yeah, that's the spirit. We're going to fuck around in the middle of the woods even longer. And then Beast is like, I'll be in my office if you need me. And I think it's Evan or somebody who's like, OK, but where is that? And Beast is like, I don't fucking know. Bye. <laughs> and like swings off into the trees, which is like really cute. And it's like Beast is briefly in a better mood again about himself and like swinging around. I mean, this that is very the whole story of beast in this where he goes back and forth with, with these intense motions of be like oh i'm happy to be who i am and then be like actually fuck that i should die and it's like mm-hmm. wow it's i think it's also yeah. a real tragedy and confrontation people go through you know yeah for sure and so then um wolf spain and roberto are talking and she's like five mineral samples i guess that means go get her like you will bring back 10 and he's like um actually 12 uh blah blah i'm amazing i'm gonna bring back everything in two seconds right and then she like makes a fat joke i don't even know how they get here <laughs> i don't know how they got there either because she makes a fat joke and then roberto's like my six pack and i was like oh my god yeah it's just stupid i wish they wouldn't do this but then um, it goes so then- to the bigfoot people and they're blowing Bigfoot whistles. Well, yeah, one of them is. I, and the other guy. Like okay, this is scene is insane, by the way, because he blows the whistle and the other guy's like, where'd you? It makes a noise that's like, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and then they're like, where'd you get that? I want one. And he's like, I got it from my hot hookup, Mulder, on Ro- Route 61 or whatever. And I was like, okay, that's a fun reference. But then it and goes then on and plays the, the X-Files full X-Files theme. theme. Song. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, so it was actually Mulder and Scully were like, here's your fucking whistle. Like, I don't know. Can you imagine Mulder and they... Scully like being on the side of the road and have like a little shop because they like have run out of money doing their X-Files thing. So now they're just selling fucking like Bigfoot whistles on the side of the road. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's like, okay, I guess we want to have an X-Files reference in here for really I don't know, no like, reason. It's like, and I was like, oh, my God, is this actually happening right now? But I yeah. guess X-Files was still big here. I thought that mm-hmm. ended out at the end of the 90s. No, but this was like in full swing. It was like this was peak X-Files, I'm pretty sure, like in terms of I the mean, fandom. You're, I mean, you're right. I just it's always funny to like go back and remember how big some of these fads were. Like somebody's going to go back in 10, 15 years from now and be like, wow, what's with all these supernatural references? You know, it's kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, whereas we watch this show and it's like Star Trek references, X-Files references, X-Files. and like those were the things. Anyway. um, So Beast swings this like rock down a hill for some reason to like scare the okay, Bigfooters away. That, that's not like a for some reason. It's because the Bigfoot researchers say that when they find Bigfoot or they see him, he tends to throw rocks at people to like oh, get them okay. to go away. So that's what's happening here. So That's Beast why I'm like, is like, okay, I only know it? this because of Katie Mac. Like, I, are you surprised that Katie would tell me no, all of these not at all. In- information? But so that's not in this episode, though, I guess. I guess it's like just Bigfoot lore. Yeah, I don't know. And so I don't know why he decides to do that. I think he's just embracing being Bigfoot right now. And so he's just like fucking with them or trying to get rid of them because it like kind of works. Like he pushes the rock towards them and they run away in fear, but it doesn't get rid of all of them. Yeah. And then Tarzan's mom comes over and it's like, don't interact with the humans, Tarzan and beast is like, but mom, <laughs> I mean, if only Tarzan's mom came over and did that because beast is about to get in big trouble. So like it turns out that Dr. Patronette and the two shotgun guys are still uh, nearby in the bushes watching beast do all this stuff. 
And Dr. Patronette is like, oh my God, his expressions are so human. I can't wait to study him. And yeah. then the two shotgun guys shoot Beast with some tranquilizers, which don't work. They don't tranquilize Beast successfully. Beast just gets pissed off and starts screaming at them. And yeah. like, and so they, they keep shooting him with the tranks, by the way. It's not like yeah. it's just one. It keeps yeah, going. It keeps going, but Beast is like roaring at them and like running after them. And then somehow um, Dr. Patronette manages to trap Beast in this like electrocution trap thing that like is going to be explained 60 times later but it's not really important how i don't know this is very familiar to that spider-man x-men crossover where they had yeah, Beast in the electric rage. and i'm like does this happen to him regularly except now we don't have logan to hang there unconscious for like <laughs> the uh, entire battle i don't know i know oh my god I, yeah. wow it's all coming back to me um so beast gets electrocuted inside of this box and he passes out and then we go back to the bigfoot nerd camp and like all the Bigfoot nerds are like congratulating Dr. Patronette who like gives this very beast like lecture about how the little cage works. And, um, right. One of the nerds is like, we caught us the real McCoy and like beast kind of wakes up. Cause it's like his name. And he like, he says almost, huh? Like almost like English style, but like not quite. And Patronette is like, it's almost like he understood that. And then the nerds all laugh at him and they're like, ha, you've been drinking too much. Like that's not yeah. anything. Yeah. And then scientists are like, by the way, I know a good taxidermist that's going to like stuff him or do whatever. And the scientist's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're not even part of our camp. Please leave. Yeah. Like, the shotgun guys are basically like ready to fucking kill Beast. Yeah, I mean, they're ready to shoot off their shotguns in more ways than one. And it's like, okay, stop. Get out of here. You're <laughs> fucked up. Like, you have some weird yeah. torture thing going on here. And they're like talking about making a rug or a coat out of Beast. I mean, it's right. like a little heavy handed because it's like, if you captured some blue guy, would you really want to kill him? Like, wouldn't you be like, he's more valuable <laughs> alive? Like, I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. It's... People are crazy. But the, also, like what I said earlier, people will. They 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 discover something exists out in the wild, and the first thing that humans do is try to find it, rip it apart, and like turn it into something. You know, like the idea that that they would want to shoot Bigfoot and Bigfoot's blue. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna kill it and like turn it into a rug and be like, I shot the real Bigfoot. Like that's a thing people do. People are fucked up, dude. Like we like have <laughs> no respect for our planet and it's incredibly horrible so i mean that's the message of this episode is it that really like, is. these guys are comedically evil like they are the extreme evil of like they want to yeah. just destroy this thing as soon as they found it i'm not surprised that this show like many other politics on it is pro environmentalism and they're like yeah. okay like yeah. we want to make this happen yep. anyways the kids are looking for hank they're screaming and then kitty asks rain eventually to turn into her wolf form and track B's scent. So mm -hmm. she does that and sort of leads them away. And then it goes back to the camp. And I love this scene because like, <laughs> it's just Beast in the cage and then the scientist and Beast is just like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Patronette is like, did you just talk and then he's like, human, human, me. And Beast just kind of like stares at him and he's like, I have to admit, this cage is brilliant. I'm guessing some kind of convex polarity reversal. And Dr. Patronette is like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like really funny. Um, and then he's like, how do you know about that? And Beast is like, they'll give a degree to anybody these days, which is like, I don't know. I feel like that line has multiple meetings in a, in a certain <laughs> type of way because it's like, yeah, it's just like a joke about how you can pay for college. And also Beast even does the like money motion with his hands. Like, he you does know, do I that. had to pay for the degree like as long as you have money um but it's also like a respectability politics thing with beast where it's like yeah you look at beast and you're like this person isn't going to be smart 
you assume he's going to be like a big hulking stupid guy because that's how he looks and he's blue and he's scary but it's like no actually he has like a trillion degrees and he's like super fucking smart and like that's how beast overcompensates for how he looks although in this version of the story beast already got those things anyway so it's like a little bit different but it's still usually a part of Beast's story is that he's like yeah i know i i know how i look but also i'm really smart and i like i'm trying to co- over i'm trying to balance out how people perceive me right so then patronet's like uh you're not bigfoot are you and hank is like <laughs> we're on the same page um and i'll even quote shakespeare if you let me out of here and so dr patronet starts which he will it's a, that, that's not even a <laughs> joke know. that is what beast is going to I know. do they don't let him get to it but no because then this hunters walk over and they're like hey what the fuck are you doing? And the doc, the professor or scientist or whatever is like, you'll never believe this. He's, and then beast is just like shaking his head. Like, do not tell them that I can talk because that they will like kill me a thousand times faster. Like things are going to get worse for me. Like basically he decided that he could trust Dr. Patronet, but not anybody else, which was the right call by the way. It was So Dr. Patronet keeps his secret and the hunters like are like, whatever, like put him on the truck. We're getting out of here. And like they walk away and Hank tells Dr. Patronet, like my friends are looking for me by the way. So like, like you guys need to watch out and patronet's like there are more like you and hank is like not exactly we're all special in a different way but you can see why we need to hide ourselves from the world again the queer metaphor right here is pretty heavy-handed yeah i mean it's like the queer metaphor the natural world metaphor like yeah. the idea that humans are going to destroy something that's different from them if they find it i mean like that's yeah. all a part of this it is and so patronet is kind of like well i'll find a way to release you i mean he was he was about to release him that's why the, the scientists were like why the yeah fight? he just can't now because like now there's too many people right so there's there's a thunder and lightning storm now it's um, rain man hallelujah it's sadly just normal it's rain. just like it's a bunch of naked wolverines are just falling from the sky and beast is like hallelujah anyway <laughs> i guess it's kind of good logan wasn't here for this because he would have lost it. i mean logan's not really on this show to be honest sadly sadly he's not so wolfsbane is like you know in her wolf form walking around sadly in the rain she looks like balto or something she's like (laughs) such a disney wolf i know like she really looks so cute this whole episode is very disney before disney owned the x-men yeah it's just i don't know it's just funny how they animate her as like a super cute little wolf um so the other kids follow behind her and then she like transforms back into her human form and she's like i think he's just over this ridge and then they like all run after her yeah and they find they find where the camp was but it's gone yeah it's gone and everybody's cold wait but this whole sequence of like crazy fucking shit is about to happen we're like i know it's like (laughs) the people who captured beast are driving this truck like, I don't know. The scientists got into this truck with these two other hunters. I don't know where anybody else is. Oh, I guess they're in this other van, maybe. Yeah, I guess the other scientists are just driving away. But, like, meanwhile, the two hunters yeah. are with Dr. Patronet and, like, Beast is strapped to their truck in the back. And, like, at the pickup truck. And, like, yeah. basically, it's raining. And the scientists are like, dude, you need to go slower on these cliff sides. And they're like, we know how to fucking drive here. Don't tell us what to do, bitch. And it's like, whoa. And then immediately there's a mudslide that knocks the truck into the river. And then there's like a tsunami. Like, I yeah, don't know. like suddenly a ton of water is rushing towards them. And I don't even know how. It knocks them over. It knocks them all out of the car. It knocks Beast in his crate down river. Everybody's screaming. 
the trucks, the most, there's multiple trucks just spinning out of control and like exploding against trees. And I was like, the fuck? Did, how did we get here? Like, this is like, I don't know. Oh, like, it's like this them. is like within 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then also the kids somehow quickly find them. And so the <laughs> yeah. kids are just like standing on a nearby cliffside and they like see Beast in his cage, which is like sinking to the bottom of the river suddenly. And they're like, right. um, okay. I guess we have to suddenly fix this. Bobby like creates like an ice bridge and also an ice wall to block more water from coming in and then for some reason sunspot walks across the ice bridge to power up i don't really know yeah, I guess- he's like come on give me some sun and that works for some reason like storm style suddenly he's able to summon the sun to power him up I, that was crazy because i was like okay why didn't he just jump into the water from over there but could he not be charged by the sun over there i don't know it was a really strange situation. I mean, it was also kind of silly because, like, this is supposed to be Roberta's big moment to use his powers, but like, Kitty could have just swum down there, gotten Beast out, and then swum back up. Like, I don't. It, well, I don't know about that because she if might the not cur- be physically strong enough to do it. But like, that's what I'm thinking because the current is so strong, supposedly at this point, that like we needed Roberto so, like, to Roberto like. Roberto needs to be super strong, so he like turns into his big yeah. strong fire self. Or like yeah. energy, solar powered self, and right? Like- and he jumps on in, and he like goes down there. He rips apart the crate. He brings Hank back up to the the surface, and they're like, "Oh my god, you're okay!" And he's like, he, "Hank is all like, yes, thank you.' But also, there's people trapped in the water over there. We we still should help them, which is crazy that Hank would even suggest that. But I think it's because he knows that all those other people, except for the hunters, probably would not kill them well, they're innocents i mean they're just like nerds like they just want to find bigfoot but like the hunters are the bad guys right and so the kids and beast run on over there and beast grabs this huge tree to make a bridge so that they can get out to the cars and like rescue people and so the kids are doing that and bobby and kitty end up being the ones to save the two hunters but then the hunters see that Beast is the person like moving the tree and they're like, let's get him because they're fucking idiots and they like can't move on from this. So they're like running right. towards Beast and Beast runs away and Patronette is like, let him go. And like Beast keeps running. This is the part that I was talking about where like all these yeah. other characters decide to look like Beast essentially and be like, I'm not going to like hide this and we're going to team up and be all part of your team beast, you know? Yeah. So like Wolfsbane becomes a wolf and like disarms one of the hunters of his weapon. And he like runs away scared and Bobby grabs another hunter's gun and turns it into ice and then turns himself into ice, which like this young Bobby can turn into ice. Apparently also Wolfsbane turns into a werewolf. She does that at the very end. That's her big climax. Um, So, so Bobby's ice man now, and he like smashes the gun into pieces. Evan shows up and he's like porcupine boy and he like looks badass. He's covered in spikes. And he's like, Bigfoot's our friend. Get the point. It's cute. And then Kitty like phases through a tree with the remaining gun and she's like looking for something and like aims at them. (laughs) Yeah, and then Sunspot shows up and he's in his solar flare mode. And then this is when Wolfsbane like turns into furry furry I know, I love it. It's like, then it suddenly it reminds me of doing a haunted house because then it's like we have these two people and Bobby's like, what do you think we should do with them? And Beast is like, I'm thinking maybe we can eat them later. And all of them are like, yeah, dinner's up. It's like really funny. Yeah, because, you know, they're like not actually going to kill these hunters, but they're just scaring them. And like, I don't know. Yeah, well, they so, run away. And then the fucking scientist walks over and all he says is, I want to learn more. <laughs> yeah. Well, first he says fascinating group because he's like oh, looking right. at all the ex kids standing there together yeah, in like yeah, their yeah. cool forms. And he's like, uh, please tell me what your deal is. And Hank is just like, someday you'll know. And they like all leave. And Patrick's right. just like, well, okay. 
So then we like get one more little comedy scene at the end here where like the hunters are trying to tell all the other Bigfoot nerds all the crazy shit that just happened to them. And the Bigfoot nerds are like, yeah, uh, we believe in Bigfoot, but we're not stupid. Like, this is insulting. (laughs) And it's pretty funny. And like Patronette walks up to them and the hunters are like, you saw what happened. Tell them. And Patronette says like the same thing that he said to the nerds at the very beginning of the episode about Bigfoot, which is like. It's interesting, but there's hardly any proof. And like, yeah. it's fun. It's like just a callback, which we didn't talk about that line before. But like, basically, Patronette was like the most scientific and like logically minded one of the Bigfoot nerds, as it were. Yeah. I mean, they needed somebody there for Hank to be friends with. And that's the yeah, type of yeah. person Hank would be friends with. So, mm-hmm. uh, so now as the X Jet is flying away, Bobby yep. turns over to Hank in the X Jet and he's like, Wow, Mr. McCoy, that flash flood almost killed you today. And Beast is like, Well, as a young girl once told me, we are who we are meant to be. It looks like the students weren't the only ones who learned something on this trip. And then everyone like Harvey Birdman's it and starts laughing as they fly <laughs> away into the sunset. And that's the end of the episode. It's like, well, good thing uh, Beast didn't die. And also that could have been a lot worse, I guess. But like, it's <laughs> fine. I don't know. I, I really liked it, though, because... It is an episode as as up and down as Beast's emotions are in the episode. Ultimately, it is a story about him finding a way to love himself and also like hang out with these younger kids who love themselves and save him at the end. And that's just really cute. You know, like it is. that part of it is really nice. It is. I think we don't see any more of this self-hating beast, at least in season two. I don't know if that changes in season three. I know that he goes to some sort of like debate or whatever when the mutant quote-unquote problem happens and everyone starts freaking out and like him and storm show up in public on film so i mean clearly he gets this point where he sort of accepts himself but i think that's what his journey is in this episode is that the younger generation of gay kids helped him be okay with that Mm -hmm. to accept who he is and like that he's learning from the younger generation and i don't need to harp on on about this anymore but it is very much like real life now. It probably was like that to a degree back then, too, because, I mean, I know it was still tough for us. But it used to be even tougher. I mean, it, you know, these things move in waves. I, but I also uh, think that, like, this show was a little ahead of its game on that, understanding that, like, this would be the next step in having sort of like the queer metaphor work, like the queer community, the LGBTQ community sort of having the younger generation help the older generation come out, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that is what's been happening, which is, kind of crazy i just i don't know this is something that i really respect about this tv show where it's very good it was very good at sort of predicting what that social construct would be in the future yeah i mean it it, it's just nice to watch and i mean there is also like the other overarching metaphor where like beast powers sort of make him feel like he's closer to nature in a certain type of way which is presented as not being a bad thing at least in this episode like as opposed to that being dangerous or scary or like oh he's an animal and that's scary and he can't control himself it's instead like it's joyful he's in touch with his body he's in touch with who he is and what he is and that's something that can be empowering for him and that's really cool and beautiful in this i'm trying to now think because I really, I mean, I'm trying to think if I was, when I was around my teenage age, if there was any, like, older men or women that were gay or seemed gay or were obviously gay and, like, we had sort of a understanding. And I'm sure there are. If I looked at my journal, I would probably find them. I just can't think of any, like, right off the top of my head. But, like, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like this is a thing that's always been going on, right? Like, you know, sort of different generations helping each other 
out in this way to be comfortable with themselves. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like a gay thing. It could be also be like, okay, well, like, uh, here's an adult that suffered from ADHD their whole life, but like was not diagnosable until now. But these like mm-hmm. younger kids that like can diagnose that and accept that can help that other person explore that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that happens a lot now in my thirties where like there are a bunch of adults that I've known for a long time that now are, that are now in their sixties or seventies. And I'm like, well, have you looked at this? Like this could be yeah, the thing that, like you know these, what I mean? The way that people have talked about this thing has changed, like whether it's right. queerness or mental illness or, you know, disability, whatever. Yeah. And so like, it's just interesting to like sort of look at that. I don't know. This episode's really good. What would you rate it? Um, I'm going to give it a five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give it, I, I was going into it thinking it was going to be a three out of five, but I give it a five out of five because of, how well it portrays Beast's story in terms of dealing with his own mutant queerness and like him coming to terms with that and how real all of this is and that it's not like it's dark you know what I mean and you know what I'm saying it's 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 not like a happy story it's it does have a happy ending somehow. It does, but like, it does, but it also has ups and downs. Like it has moments yeah. where Beast like isn't fully settled. Like it's not as though this is an episode that's like, and then Beast was fine forever. It's right. like he has his moments where he's like, I still kind of hate myself actually. And that's just part of my life now. And I have to kind of move, move used through to this it. Right. and grieve who I thought I was and celebrate who I realized I am. And I think that's I don't know, hard. All that is it's, cool. But then it's paired with like the sort of silly parts of the episode the more like kid friendly parts where it's like the Bigfoot nerds are there in their camp and then like the hunters are there and they're like the comedic over the top villains who hate Beast to such an extent that it's like absurd but then there's also like somebody like Dr. Petronet who's like kind of in the middle I guess where like he's a scientist he doesn't really know what he's looking at but then he learns more and he like changes his point of view and he's like sort of the ally character it like shows you that people like that exist and I don't know. It's a it's a children's show, but it's also like wrestling with some pretty serious stuff in a clever way. I mean, we felt that we have felt that way. This this show. I mean, there's <laughs> been very few episodes that we haven't rated a, f- a five out of five. And I feel like I feel like oftentimes we're like five out of five. And I'm like, OK, so are people going to really buy us and saying that the show is really that good? But like <laughs> it is, though, like it even is. the episodes that like we're expecting to be bad or like goofy or like something that we won't care about like i think the only one that that we gave a lower reading rating to was probably that episode with like wolverine Sabretooth in the woods right where they kept on turning mm-hmm. the mind control up but like even that episode with like spike with the spike cam i was like this episode is gonna be stupid and i was like this is now my favorite episode like you know what i'm saying <laughs> this show is just very good at it's a very well constructed show and i I applaud it. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, other than like a couple episodes that we've really disliked, like the one you mentioned in like the very first Fred Dukes episode, which was just like a bizarre oh, anomaly, yeah. honestly. Okay, I like I already like, completely deleted from your brain because it doesn't after the there. first time I saw it, I deleted it from my brain. Never watched it again until we watched this episode again. I've watched the rest of the series. I've always skipped the Fred Dukes one. You can skip it because it's like, why? And it's like it, I was like, I can't believe I've erased it from my memory twice. I'm like, I'm like, is I can't I, who? Where did that come from? Anyway, um, who's that X-Men? Who's that X-Men? Who's that X-Men? I genuinely don't know who it is, though. I chose Wolfsbane because I don't think we're going to see her anytime soon. Got it. And I want to talk about her. she's not in this episode a ton either, but let's do it anyway. Until there is a new TV show or cartoon that has her in it, like... 
I'm not yeah. going to take my chances by missing out of that again because well, this Sunspot, is it. Yeah, this is. I was about to say Sunspot is in fucking what's it called? Uh, well, they're both in New Mutants, but we already reviewed that. Yes. So well, he was also in Days of Future Past, but like it doesn't matter because we don't ever do I highlights don't even in those remember episodes. Remember him being in that? Wow, it's been so long since I saw those. I don't know. Those movies make no sense. That's why. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about Rain Sinclair today because I don't know when and we're going to have the chance next to. And mm-hmm. we, we just saw her in Nubians the movie, but we did not do any spotlights from that. So we're going to talk about her real quick and talk about her history. Cool. Okay, so we, as we know, Will Spain's real name is Rain Sinclair. She was created by Chris Claremont and Bob McLeod, which they spelt Ron in New Mutants. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> she first appeared in New Mutants and she has the ability to ship into a werewolf or a full-on wolf. Um, she's of Scottish descent. She was raised by a priest, Father Craig, who beat religion into her. We got to see him for a quick second in the New Mutants movie. Uh, yep. Pretty accurate portrayal, honestly. Yeah, although she's not raised by him in that movie. But yeah, he's still like a source of fear for her. Right, exactly. When she was revealed to be a mutant, Father Craig led a mob after her, intending to burn her at the stake. Mm-hmm. Moira McTaggart rescues Rain and adopts her as her own child. Um, this is a little out of order, but... What we do discover later on is that Rain, as an adult, goes to confront Father Craig about all of this. And it's revealed that he's actually her actual biological father and that Oof. her mother is a prostitute that she that he fucked. So, Ugh. yeah, it's awful. That's like very like comics of the time. Though. I mean, but it was like, it wasn't during like the original New Mutants run. This was something they added in later. Fair enough. So Rain is then recruited by Xavier for the New Mutants. Danny Moonstar discovers that she has a psychic connection with Rain, similar to Jean and Scott. Uh, this is why they ended up making these two characters gay in the movie. Mm-hmm. Although they're not officially in the comics, but I'm sure people no, shipped them. No, but they, I mean, you, it's questionable if they are or aren't. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, Rain had a crush on Sam Guthrie. Rain is uncomfortable with characters like Magic because of her religious upbringing, and she just hates herself for a lot of the same principles, so... Yeah, uh, Wolf Spain falls in love with this sort of like Asgardian wolf prince, Prim Hari, and he's like I don't know, I don't know how to describe him. It's other than Asgardian wolf prince, like just think <laughs> Thor characters, That's but yeah, right. Anyway, so Rain eventually dates the character Cipher in New Mutants, and she is devastated when he is killed by antimatter, which we talked about in the Warlock episode. Rain also has a short-lived romance with Richter. And this is uh, the one who comes out as gay later. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, like that whole idea of taking somebody who's gay and you're super religious and you're dating them like is a whole metaphor on its own. That makes sense. I mean, it's probably feels really safe, you know, right. if you're dating somebody who doesn't want to touch you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. During Extinction Agenda, Rain is mentally bonded to Havoc by scientists in Genosha. She is then manipulated by the Shadow King to join X-Factor. She stays in her half-wolf form for this run because it's the only way to release her from the control of the bonding that was done to her in Genosha. And eventually this is done by the character, undone by the character Haven. Rain then returns to Moira's on Weir Island and she joins Excalibur where she becomes good friends with Kitty and Colossus. After Excalibur disbands, Rain and Douglock stay on Weir Island to help Moira find the cure for the Lancaster virus until Mystique and the Brotherhood attack the island and kill Moira and depower Rain with a version of Forge's power neutralizer. Rain then goes on a self-exploration journey where she bikes all over the place on a motorcycle. She eventually joins Jamie and Madrex's 
X Factor as a detective part-time and a teacher at Xavier's Institute part-time. So we're at this point, we're already at the 2000 era. So mm. during her time there, Rain and Elixir have a budding romance. During a passionate moment, Elixir's powers heal Rain's block and she gets her powers back. But this accidentally causes her to transform and wound Elixir in the process. Uh, this other character, Wither, finds out they're dating because I think it's like weird because she's still kind of like an adult but also kind of a kid and she's dating a student type of deal like mm. outs Rain and Elixir's relationship to the public and Rain chooses to leave the school and joins Axe Factor full time during Messiah Complex she discovers that Father Craig was working with the purifiers divulging information about her to them and during a climactic battle Rain is severely injured by Riptide and Xavier states that she is like healing very slowly Rain then joins Cyclops' reformed X-Force and partakes in an attack on the Purifier's base. She is shot in the knee, and the Purifiers and Reverend Craig take her to another secret base where they inject her with this lethal, lethal dose of hero, heroin and brainwashing stuff. So Sad. It is. The X-Force managed to rescue her, and Elixir heals her, but when she wakes up, she immediately attacks Warren and rips out his wings, taking them to Reverend Craig. We talked about this in Archangel's episode. On the Warren episode, yeah. Yeah, like just a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Rain later wakes up in a cell and figures out the injection she had suffered had also brainwashed her. She can't use her powers due to some power-restricting handcuffs on her. She remembers Reverend Craig trying to brainwash her. He then tries to kill her, but she escapes, but not after she admits that all she wanted all along was her father's love. Fucking this fucking like Catholic bullshit. It's bad. A lot of the a lot of the like new mutants have sad backstories, though. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, Rain regroups with her teammates and rejoins them in an assault on Bastion, the purifiers and the choir. Rain is shot by Father Craig and she attacks him. She doesn't kill him because even after all that, she wanted to save him, but then decides she doesn't care about him anymore. She then sees Warren's ripped off wings behind Father Craig and it triggers her brainwash kill the angel mode again. So the X-Men eventually find Rain covered in blood and like there's nothing left of Father Craig and they just see that she had like went feral and and just ate him whole like killed him and ate him and then she comes back to and she's like hey what's going on guys like dr (laughs) devious style and they decide not to talk about it because they're like this is really fucked up when rain later sees angel it triggers the brainwashing again and it causes her attack him which forces him to retaliate and transform into archangel we talked about that recently it's yep. X-23 who calmly gets the cuckoos to come in and be like, okay, can you fix her brain, please? Um, <laughs> yeah. But before they can erase her memories completely of all that, they are called into a mission, leaving Rain all alone. Hermhari decides to come back in this moment, and they fuck, and then Frost Giants attack them while they're doing that. Then mm-hmm. Rain attacks them and passes out. Later on, Dr. Nemesis reveals that Rain is pregnant with Hermhari's child, neither human or mutant the unborn child is so strong that it's killing rain from the inside out wow twilight much i know him <laughs> it's around that same time too i'm sure it is yeah uh, so him makes a deal with with hella to revive the now dead elixir because he had died somewhere in the middle of all this which was irrelevant to rain's story in exchange for his soul he promises he will be reunited with rain and the child again sometime in the future Elixir now revived, then heals Rain and makes her stronger as well as the baby and gives her enough power and strength so that she can later survive the childbirth. He says the baby will be very strong and not even a bullet can pierce through the baby's skin. Rain comes back to the X Factor, now pregnant, and finds Shatterstar and Richter fucking. She doesn't understand how Richter could be with a man after being with her and then claims that the baby is Richter's to try and steer him away from being gay. 
Yikes. I know. While she's getting an ultrasound of the baby with Richter, who's believing that it's he's now the father of this baby, discovers through the doctor that the ultrasound doesn't work on Rain because of the mystical nature around it. Simultaneously, mm. R- Shadowstar discovers the child is Himhari's, and Rain admits to her lies and tells Richter that she was just trying to save him from going to hell because he was gay. And uh-huh. so... They all reconcile their friendship, including Rain and Shadowstar, who go to a nearby church and they, they're like, all's forgiven. Like, let's just put this in the past. Uh, when a sin eater demon shows up seeking Rain's child, Beryl then reveals that she's there and she's like, various feline and canine deities want that baby. Hmm. And so, Rain, this is like some Silent Hill bullshit, where Rain <laughs> gives birth to the baby, which comes out of her mouth. Like, she vomits up the baby in full form. Cool. And then the the baby goes feral and starts attacking everyone. Rain immediately denounces the baby as her own because she's like, that's just some sort of fucking demon. It's not mine. Uh, and then she that the reason that this is happening to her is that she's being punished by God for her time on X-Force. Jack Russell then adopts the baby since nobody else is doing anything about it. And Rain then feels so bad about denouncing the child that she starts overeating all the time and puking. Oh, wow. Sad. I know. Yeah, right? And so Rain is so guilt-ridden about abandoning her son Siren and Polaris take her up to Vermont where there's a duplicate of multiple man up there who had become a priest and he helps her reconcile everything she's done, including eating Father Craig because she reveals that she has known all along and she's just suppressing that. Mm-hmm. Rain, Richter, and Shatterstar find her son, now named Tyr, and they leave X-Factor to all go live safely with him and Jack Russell. Tyr then becomes the focal point for six hell guides. Uh, Mephisto, Asmodeus, uh, Satanish, uh, Santana, I don't know, Pluto, Hello, there's uh, everyone's here. Uh, <laughs> oddly, no Belasco. Um, the end of the story involves Tyr dying because Strong Guy kills him and Rain being stranded in the Antarctic. Uh, later on, we don't know what happens with Rain for a while, but we find that she joins a strike force assembled by the TN government during Secret Empire and that she reveals that she's undergone, undergone a new mutation that allows her to split into five wolves. I don't think any of this stuck. This is during that whole fucking stupid Hydra is now running the world bullshit. Yeah, but yeah. I wanted to mention it because it's fucking bonkers. Uh, <laughs> Rain then joins Magic's New Mutants and forgives Strong Guy for killing their son. Um, and then most recently, when Age of, of X-Men was happening, everybody was in the alternate universe. Rain mm-hmm. was not one of those characters. She was left behind along with Cyclops. Uh, she had been captured by the one and infected with the transmode virus, but it didn't affect her due to her shape-shifting abilities. Uh, she then quits the team not wanting to be a monster anymore, but she's approached by some mutant haters who beat the shit out of her and just kill her. But it's like all for naught because like that whole ser- that run was stupid. They were just killing people because they knew they were all going to come back to life in House of X. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rain is resurrected in the beginning of House of X and Dawn of X and she's been in New Mutants and right now she's kind of off the rails mentally because she's asking the five to resurrect her son but they can't have any proof of him being dead anywhere. So, or, or him even like existing. So. Interesting. That's cool. where it's left off. I know she's been like following Danny around being like, can you please help me? And Danny's like, okay, let's work this out. But Danny keeps on getting called away. So then like Rain just like loses her shit. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to try. Well, I mean, I guess since the New Mutants movie didn't succeed, but if it had, I feel like we would see like a very different storyline for her in the comics where they would like try to have her end up with Danny or something because people would be like, well, why aren't they together? I argue that that they might because of how many characters have come out in Jonathan Hickman's X-Men world. And also because Carolina and 
Nico were not together in the comic books, but since they got together in the TV show, they got together in the comic books. Right, exactly. Like I and I feel like it in some ways makes it easier if like some big Hollywood movie, even if it isn't doing that well, like puts together two characters and it's easier in the comics to be like, well, people already saw it and like, you know, they didn't ride in the streets, so I guess it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just I don't know, it's sad to hear like her entire backstory because it's like, oh my god, she hates herself. And then that way it's kind of interesting that she's in this episode with Beast, but it's also like, well, the episode isn't really about her, but right. she clearly has her own issues with denying who she is. And I don't stuff. think the version of X-Men Evolution Reign has Yeah, she doesn't. I mean, we we have no idea because she's like essentially barely there. Right. Well, but at the end of season or sorry, at the beginning of season three, because of the events that happen, Rain and Jubilee's parents pull them out of the school to keep them safe. And I'm like, those are the two people like that don't have parents. Mm-hmm. Like, why was that the choice? So Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Roberto or something would have made more sense. Um Yeah, but... I agree. But anyway. <laughs> Whatever. We totally forgot the who's gay section this week. The answer would have been Bobby, though. So Um, that's the end of this episode. That's it. It's time for plugs. I guess before we say that, we should say that next week's episode is Walk on the Wild Side. I'm so excited! Because it's going to be really fun. So everybody can get ready. It's going to be fun. It's going to be gay. It's probably like the most analyzed episode of this show ever because people are obsessed with it. And like, is it feminist? Is it not? Are people, we will finally decide whether or not it's either of those things. It's also, it's a big episode featuring Magma, but we will not be doing a spotlight on her because later on in season three, I think, it's mm-hmm. one of those ones. There's at season three. There's a whole episode that's dedicated to, specifically to Magna. So we'll cover her then. You have a different spotlight in mind for this one, though, right? No. Nope. Or no? Nope. No. We don't spotlight? have any spotlights. No. Nope. I mean, we have a couple more spotlight episodes. Yeah, because Wanda's going to get introduced soon. Right. And Bolivar Trask. But the next two episodes are Walk on the Wild Side and Operation Rebirth, where we get to see Captain America come back. And we all know his backstory. So we do. We sure do. Anyway, uh, it's time for plugs. So. It sure is. You should go to themutantages.com. Just anyway. You should just go there to hang out. But also there's a whole bunch of ways to contact us that are listed there. Like our email That's address. Right. Which is themutantages at gmail.com. And as you know, because we just had a reader mail last week, we do listener mail segments every few weeks. And you should email us. You can also contact us on our Discord server. There's an invite link to that. Um, you can hang out with other X-Men fans and pals and we have a voicemail inbox which is 1508-319-1668 and we even have a p.o box for physical mail which is p.o box 3344 natick massachusetts 01760 which is pretty freaking cool that's um, right we also have social media uh we are on every social media <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're everywhere facebook twitter instagram tumblr pinterest tiktok we're Individually on social media as well. I'm Ryan Pagella on Twitter and Ryan.Pagella on Insta. Mm-hmm. I'm at Mitty Myers everywhere. Uh, but also we have a YouTube channel for the Mutant Ages. We do. Uh, Ryan has his own channel, but we don't have to talk about that yet. We can talk about the Mutant Ages. We can talk about quick. the Mutant Ages channel, which is really fantastic. It has us playing through every X-Men video game on there. And sometimes we 
do some fun other videos like that are just parody videos of either X-Men or Resident Evil. Sometimes mm-hmm. I match up clips from this show with the animation of the TV shows. Or with like the FF8 opening or, you know, whatever we care to imagine up to. Yeah, whatever whatever strikes our fancy. Uh, we're actually going to be doing a couple of children's books on there that are X-Men related. <laughs> or maybe yeah. some Wolverine and Sabretooth wrestling in the woods and what the children's adapt of that even is every adaptation of the x-men including children's picture books yeah, every adaptation of the x-men that is a, that's exactly it um also i do have my own youtube channels ryan pagella i have an adventure vlog uh, i've recently gone to six flags there's gonna be a lot more theme park stuff on there i went over to um what is it called the salisbury beach boardwalk beautiful if you want to like come on with me some adventures i do flea market searches too so there there's nerdy stuff in there like i went to use bookstore and found these x-men books that I show on the vlog that you're going to see all of them before we even get to show them on our channel. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like the extended universe of the mutant ages. It's true. It's Ryan's true. Personal vlog. I do. I do. I also have a Twitch channel that you should check out because I'm playing through uh, Marvel's Avengers over there with our friends from the mutant ages discord. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, if you want to support us with money, there are a couple ways you could do that. Uh, you How's could that? go to the Mutant Ages store. There's a link to our store at mutantages.com on the right-hand side. You could buy a Time Travelers Real shirt. You could buy some Mutant Ages logo merch. Or you can go to patreon.com slash the Mutant Ages and you can get bonus episodes about WandaVision, Birds of Prey, Into the Spider-Verse, tons of other stuff over the years. You can use the podcast tag once you join and find all those bonus episodes that Ryan has organized very neatly together. Um, yes. And there's other bonuses all the way up the chain and the highest tier Patreon supporters get a shout out on the show they do i don't even know what kind of voice i could do for this uh come on guys we're going to the redwoods we're gonna go get some bigfoot we're gonna find him we're gonna get some bigfoot we're gonna get bigfoot like he's a fucking like a mcdonald's happy meal we're gonna go find bigfoot in the redwoods come on <laughs> to our highest tier patreon supporters brock samuel b soren b and zach f we're gonna find proof and he's gonna be blue and we're not gonna kill him and he's gonna be really cool blue blue like the sea all right let's go find him guys i've got whistles from Mulder and scully let's go i can't believe they literally played the x-files theme i I mean that blew my mind i wrote that down in my notes i was like what is happening what what the fuck this full theme is actually here right now i know it's really funny anyway Thank you. If you are a supporter <laughs> of our show at any form, thank you. We are a completely fan-supported podcast, so everything you can donate is a huge help. But if you can't support us on Patreon, please do us a favor and hop onto iTunes or whatever you listen to this show on. You can leave us a review, and if you're not comfortable leaving us a review, you can leave us a star rating. It helps increase our visibility, not our invisibility, because that is mm-hmm. not our superpower. It decreases that, and it, it increases does do that. our visibility. It, it makes does. us more powerful. Um, so thank you so much to everybody who supported the show in all those different ways. And I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Wolverine just jumped out the window because he heard me say something a big about Bigfoot. And I heard him in the background be like, Bigfoot, I gotta find him. And he like jumped out the window hoping it was Beast. But like, I don't yeah, know. He's it's, like halfway to the Redwood Forest You know, it's now. like it is Logan. He is slightly out of control sometimes. You say certain things and he starts jumping out windows and running through the woods naked. And it's like, I, I don't know. You just can't get him to stop sometimes. I know. I know. Well, I guess you better go after him. Um, yeah, that's true. And uh, go enjoy. Go enjoy being outdoors today. I'll, even though it's a I little do. bit gloomy today. You should and it is. Always go outside. Out there. All right. See you all next time. Next time. The mutant ages of